Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage. percentage of your life is spent working. And the reason I ask retired folks, because most people don't really think about that, but then when you get close to retirement age, you start calculating. Some people just actually calculate it up. Well, I, I spend, you know, 40, 50 hours a week working, and I spend, you know, an hour driving. How much of my time of my life is invested in working? You may know. Has anybody done that? Any, any of you retired folks, have you done that? No. I'd be curious. I know my dad, he worked in Memphis, and so he would drive an hour to work, and he'd work, and he would drive, drive an hour home. He did that for, how long did you work in Memphis? That 30, 30 years. 30 years he did that. Well, how much of your life is spent working? You know, if you calculated that up, it comes out to be about a third of your life, at least a third of your life is spent working. And some of you, like, really like to work, and so that would even be more time. Some of you work overtime. But a third of your life, is spent working. What do you think about that? As I say that, a third of your life. The other third is spent sleeping. And then so you got one third where you have free time, depending on your wife's honeydew list, how long a joker is, right? Or how many cars you have to fix or bicycles you have to repair. But you do have a third of your, third of your life is free time. A third of it's sleep, on average, sleeping, and a third of it's spent working. Well, some people, when you say that, when you read that, they're just astonished. They're like, wow. And some people even say, that's a, what a waste of time. Some people have that idea, what a waste of time. Um, and, and I know some of you like your jobs. Some of you love your jobs. But whether you love it or not, it's still work, isn't it? I tell young people all the time, they say, man, I'm not real sure what I want to do. I said, man, I ain't figured that out either. But work is work. And it don't matter if you're doing something that you love to do. If you do it for a living, it's not always fun. It's just work sometimes. But when, when I say you spend a third of your life working, some people say, man, that's Horrible. What a waste of time. But I think that's really the wrong perspective. And we're going to learn that this morning. In fact, we were created to work. We were created to work. Last, last week, chapter 10, we, we found we're to fear God. We're to have wisdom, right? And to have wisdom means that we fear God. We trust the Lord. The, the fear of God gives us an advantage in life. It really does. If you have the fear of the Lord, if you trust the Lord, you, you have an advantage over people who don't. But it doesn't make us immune to difficulties. We've said that over and over again. We just have difficulties in life. Heartaches, death of loved ones, heartbreaks, people that hurt us, things happen, disappointments happen. You know, we're not immune to those. And then today we're going to learn about work. Look at chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. The first thing we learn is, despite life's uncertainties, be diligent and work hard. Chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. 
As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with a child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light it. Yeah, let's start right there. Let's start right there. And our first point, despite life's uncertainties, be diligent and work hard. And this first two verses, they're, they're a little bit difficult unless you understand what it means by waters. I think what this verse here is talking about is talking about merchant ships. Invest your money in the merchant ships. And in biblical days, when a ship would go out, they're going out, they're going to, to trade. And you invest money in that endeavor. In that company, whichever company is overseeing that merchant ship that's going out. Well, that day and time, well, you could say about that today, this day and time, you don't know if that ship's going to come back. There's no guarantee it's coming back into port. But that really could be said back in, the, in, in Solomon's day. When a, a, a boat would go out to c- carry out some business, you don't know if it's coming back or not. And so it was somewhat of a, somewhat of a risk, if you will, if it's going to come back or not. Much less is, is it going to be profitable. But despite the risk, Solomon is is teaching us here in verse 1 and 2, we should invest. But how do we invest? Verse 2 says, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. Not only are we to invest, we're to, we're to diversify, if you will. We're to diversify. And that, common in, in layman's terms, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? We don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know what will happen, so we should diversify. When you're investing your money, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, you're going to invest your money in this endeavor. This merchant ship's going out. Well, invest it in seven or eight different ships. There's a good chance that a few of them will come back. And if they come back, there's a good chance some of them will even make a profit. So diversify. Verse 3 through 6. There is risk involved, though, isn't it, when you invest your money. But don't let the uncertainty of wind and rain keep you from being diligent, keep you from being hardworking. It it speaks here of farmers. Clouds are full of rain. They empty themselves on the, the earth. We don't know farmers. If you keep looking at the weather forecast, it says it's going to rain. It's an 80% chance of rain today. Will it rain? Maybe so. It's not guaranteed, though, is it? What about the wind? If you're looking at the wind, it's supposed to be windy today. Not sure where it will blow, what it will do. What are we to do? Well, Solomon says, sow your seed anyway. And matter of fact, verse 6 says, sow it in the morning and also in the evening. Who knows? Maybe both will produce a crop. And what Solomon is teaching us here is we don't try to outguess providence. If we do, we'll miss our opportunity to work and to make a profit, to produce a crop. And we've seen this over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes. What God does is so unpredictable. We can't see the future. Only God knows. He knows, but only he knows. We can't see the future. In verse 5, speaking of pregnancy, we don't know if all is well or not. My friend this past week, my friend Channing Kilgore, a friend of mine from seminary, he lives on the Chattanooga area. He's planning a church, and he called. He's married, and they have a, a baby, and his wife is expecting their second child. And they, he and his wife both were married later in life, so they're really excited about this second baby. Well, this past week, they went to the doctor, and she felt fine. Well, all of a sudden, there's no heartbeat, so they do the ultrasound. Find out that that baby, several weeks ago, miscarried. She didn't even know it. We don't know if the pregnancy will go well, but we, we, what do we do? We just trust God that all will be well. The results are out of our control. We just invest. We just live life. We just work. Sometimes we get paralyzed because of fear. We're scared something bad is going to happen, so we don't do anything in life. We can't let the uncertainties of life, although they're many, keep us from working and living. God provides for us, doesn't he? 
But that doesn't mean that we just sit around praying that God's going to provide and we never hit a lick. No, we pray and then we work. We be diligent. A couple of things. I'm going to chase a rabbit just for a moment. We need to do our part. Let me, let me talk about this for, for just a moment. Hold your spot there in Ecclesiastes and turn to Genesis chapter 2. A couple of things about work. First thing is we're created to work. Do you know that? We have this idea, you know, that we're kind of created just to lounge around and do nothing. But that's, that's, not, that's not biblical. I'll show you here. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 7 through 9. This is the creation account. Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord, verse 7, Then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there as well. Look at verse 15. The Lord God put the man and took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and to keep it. Now, the interesting thing, they're, they're put in the garden to work it and to keep it. And then later, right after that, if you keep reading, we don't have time, but if you keep reading that, is when God commanded Adam not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So before sin entered the world, God had already put man to work. So work was God's design from the beginning. Some people think we were created for Sunday. No, you were created for Sunday. But you're created for Monday also. On our Sabbath, we worship and we rest. And on Monday, we worship and we work. Work is worship. Can be, depending on your perspective. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. That's why I say Sunday's for worship and for rest. Monday is for worship and for work. Work can be worship if we're doing it unto the Lord. So we're created to work. So as you're calculating how much of your life you've already spent working, how many years of your life, don't see it as a waste of time. See it as God's design. We're made to work. We're made to work. Second thing about work, work can be difficult, but we can honor God in our work. Because of the fall, look at, look at Genesis again, chapter 3. What happened because of the fall? Work got difficult. Chapter 3, verse 17. 17 through 19, after the fall, this is after the fall. And to Adam, God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree in which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Notice the pain there. Thorns and thistles, the thorns and thistles are never good. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken... For your dust, and the dust you shall return. Yeah, before the, the fall, Adam was a gardener. He was a flower gardener, maybe. You know, he's a gardener. He's just taking care of the garden. But then after the fall, what happens? Yeah, he turns into a plow horse. You see the, the words there. Pain, sweat, yeah, it's diff- thorns, thistles. Yeah, work is difficult. But despite work being difficult, and some of us, it's more difficult than others. Some of you are fortunate. You have good jobs that don't take a lot of physical effort. Some of you are in jobs don't have much physical effort, but you've got a lot of mental anguish going on, a lot of pressure. For some of you, your jobs are difficult. But even amidst your work, you can honor the Lord, and you should. Work can be worship. Third thing I want us to, to realize that God works, so why shouldn't we? If you take concordance, you get on, the, get on the computer and look at a concordance and look up God works or the works of the Lord, it's 
so numerous in the scriptures. In fact, Paul, he had some stern words for the Thessalonians, undoubtedly some freeloaders that in the church, freeloaders, you know what that is, don't you? Somebody who wants something, but they want to work for it. And I'm not talking about widows who are in need. I'm just talking about people who are able-bodied. I'll read it for you in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right... See, they were apostles, right? They were apostles. So they could, don't my, muzzle an, eye, uh, an ox white works, while it's treading out the grain. They had a right to be supported. But he says, we wanted to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. You know, that's, that's really true. If you're not working, you're going to be doing something. I always, I always think if I'm not working, I'm going to be spending money. That's the reason the way it works. It's true of you, isn't it? Yeah, if you're, you got days off, that's when you spend your money. When you're working, you don't spend as much. But you're really busy doing something. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 12. Yeah, there's something about work. We're, we're created to work. We're created, we should be working hard, diligently. Providing for us and our families. And we can do that as an act of worship. Just regardless of your job, regardless if you like it or not, it can be worship. So despite life's uncertainty, to be diligent, work hard. Second point. And we haven't seen vanity, the word vanity, since chapter 9, but here it returns again. Look at verse 7. Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. What's vanity mean? You remember? Doesn't satisfy. Yeah. We'll come back to that in just a second. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Chapter 12. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain, in the days when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the streets are shut, when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of, of, of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is 
stands here. Poor Solomon is the preacher, and he's teaching us about life. That's what he's been doing. And the second point, the first point, despite life's uncertainties, be diligent, work hard. We should work. The second point is enjoy life with our upcoming death in view. Yeah, we should enjoy life, but with our upcoming death in view. Verse 7, it says, light is sweet. And you know, as, as the, the weather gets cool, I get here very early in the morning. Sometimes it's kind of chilly. And sometimes I'll stand at one of these glass doors. I'll, I'm praying, and the, the sun hits me through that glass, and it's kind of warm. It kind of feels good. I kind of sit there and warm myself. It's kind of comfortable. And sometimes life is like that. Life is real comfortable. It's real enjoyable. Life can be so good sometimes. And Tommy Nelson, the pastor in Texas, he reminds us sometimes we get up and we need to say, Good morning, Lord. Not, Good Lord, it's morning. Sometimes people say that. On my dresser is a picture we... we putting pictures in our house, still trying to get settled, almost there, but still trying to get settled and put some pictures in. One of the pictures was Jenny and I on our honeymoon. We were in Seattle and had a really nice picture of she and I taking there. I was just reminiscing about that this week and our time there and just how sweet it was. And, um, and then since then, and just the sweetness of life and how God's brought us through many experiences. We've had a lot of experiences together, but I was thinking about, well, you know, life is is real, real good, real sweet sometimes. And we should enjoy life. We see this theme throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Enjoy life. Enjoy the things that God has given us. The good times. Rejoice in them. For all the graces God gives us, be happy, be thankful. And you think, why do we need this repetition? And I, That's one of the reasons I was thinking about just trying to finish this thing out. Because a lot of these things we keep talking about is the kingdom keep coming up over and over and over again. And part of that is, is this theme of be, be thankful, enjoy life. But you know why we need repetition? Because life's hard. And sometimes we get down in the mouth and we get focused on things that are difficult in our, in our, in our tragedies and our disappointments that we can't see all the graces God's given us. It's real easy to do. I think by nature, we're, we're kind of pessimistic by nature. I think the enemy, that's one way he works on us. He wants to see all the bad stuff and not the good. Right? We should enjoy life. But sometimes it's hard because we're so worried about, anxious about any and everything. We even think about down the road. And so what happens is we kind of get paralyzed. We know the scriptures, Matthew six thirty three. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. We're reminded in chapter 9, a couple weeks back, that death could come at any moment. But here, Solomon ponders what it looks like to live a long life. And some of you, you have lived long lives. Verse 8, Solomon again tells us to enjoy life because the days of darkness are coming. The days of darkness, I think, is, 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 is old age, I think. That's what this is referring to. This is that those days of old age, they will be many. The years of agility, of wit, of energy, of vigor, they're few. Aren't they? Think about this, some of you that are my age and older. How old were you when you started saying, you know, I don't think I, I don't know if I need to try that or not. And you go to the water, and some of you have been, you've been going to the water for a long time, and you'd get out there, and you'd be on the tube, and, and you'd get, just try to kill me. Try to kill me. You cannot throw me off this thing. Or you're, you're, you're skiing, and you're just going, you know, 30 miles an hour on the water, and you're trying to barefoot. We should try to do all those things. And now, I don't think I want to go there. I just really don't. Could I survive? I could definitely survive, but recovery time is just longer. 
even my kids, um, a year or two ago, we talked about maybe having another child. I was thinking about maybe, you know, maybe it would be good to adopt a child. And James said about maybe having another child. We just talked about that. And I just got to think. I was like, you know, I used to get in the floor, and we always played with our kids. You know, and I, I had I had started having kids a little bit later than some of you. And I get in the floor, and we just kind of dogpile and wrestle. That just didn't feel so good anymore. Used to, you know, it wouldn't, you'd come off the, jump off a chair and knees in the back. It just didn't, didn't matter. But now... Yeah, I don't do that so readily. I'm not so excited about doing that. I mean, I'm taking, for goodness sakes, I'm taking cholesterol medicine. I have a heart arrhythmia, you know? It's like, yeah. Look at verse 9. So what does he say to the young? Have fun. You know the term, the Latin phrase, carpe diem? You know that? Seize the day. You know, he tells the young people, seize the day. Have fun. Enjoy life. You're healthy. You're strong. You have less worries than older folks, so take risks. Live life. Your future is full of possibilities. Really are. And if you blow it and you make a mistake, you know what? If you're young, you just you can recover from it. As we get older, we we, we risk less because we it, it's harder to recover. We don't have as long. We don't want to change like have a lot of work changes, career changes. As you get older. But he's, he's saying here in verse 9, seek pleasure. Yeah, enjoy life. But not, not guilty pleasure. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you in judgment. So have fun. Seek pleasure, but not guilty pleasure. You go to jails. Jails are full of young people with all kind of vigor and enthusiasm, but they... They don't have any restraints. They sought pleasure, but they didn't have any restrictions. They buy on impulse without a plan to cover the expenses. They desire sexual intimacy without willingness to commit to marriage. They have a lot of energy, but they spend it on guilty pleasures. There's an old Dutch saying, too soon old, too late smart. Too soon old, too late smart. It hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? Yeah, we need to monitor our impulses, but we're to enjoy life. Because we have to remember, what do we do? As we study the book of Ecclesiastes, our hermeneutical principle here, studying wisdom literature, we have to remember his conclusion. Chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 says what? You remember? Fear God and keep his commandments. Why? Because judgment is coming. We don't just go out and sow wild oats. That's not what he's saying. He's saying enjoy life. Have fun. Enjoy the pleasures of life. But do it wisely. Look at verse 10. Solomon then tells us to remove the vexation. That's kind of an interesting word. Vexation is anything that causes bitterness. It could be anxiety. In fact, the passage, I was thinking about the passage, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where it says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Some of you memorized that verse. But you, you could say, it could be read, don't be vexed about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. So we need to take care of ourselves. We need to remove those things that discourage and dishearten us. Now, that don't mean that we, you know, this old song, don't worry, be happy. Yeah, that's not, you can't really do that because our problems don't just flee. We don't deny real suffering or we don't even escape pain, really, by living for pleasure. We don't avoid responsibility. That's not what I'm saying. But part of, I think, removing this vexation from our lives is going to the Lord with our issues. How do we remove vexation from our lives? I think we just cast our cares upon the Lord. Don't be anxious 
about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's how we remove this trouble from our lives, is we bring those things to the Lord continually. As a believer, the peace of God comforts us. Now, that doesn't doesn't happen for non-believers, but for believers. He tells us to remove this trouble from our lives, if possible, because youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Now, you pass the quiz, I said, what does vanity mean? Now, as you study the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity typically, almost always means it doesn't satisfy. But here, this vanity here has a little bit bit different nuance and meaning. What the meaning here in this verse is like a vapor. Remember I talked about when we talked about vanity, like in the morning when you go come out now in the morning, sometimes you breathe and you can you see your breath. If you tried to grab that breath, you couldn't really grasp it. Because what happens? You go like this, it's there, and then what? It's gone. So that I think that's what it's this this word vanity here in this specific text means. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow. This leads us to chapter twelve, verse one through eight. Solomon, he's given us this realistic report about life under the sun. It contains joy, so we should enjoy them and be thankful to God for them. But it also contains disappointments as well. But during disappointments, what do we do? We trust the Lord, knowing that he's sovereign. He's he's in control. He's using these things for my good and his glory. So we should trust the Lord during the sober times. But the sober times, I think, in this text here, verse 1 through 8, can mean our latter years. Our lives will be marked by storms. I think old age sometimes can be a storm. And some of you are in the middle of that. Verses 1 and 2, Tom Schreiner, he points out that, you know, a stormy season, you have stormy season, winter, but then spring comes. But the reality is, with old age, there's no spring. He says, I have no pleasures in them. Now, this doesn't mean you can't enjoy life, because you can but life is different, and in many ways more difficult the older you get, right? Yeah, we're experiencing that. As a 43-year-old, I'm experiencing that already. Verse 3, then Solomon uses this metaphor like an old house. My, my neighbor up there on Hazel Grove Road, his house, they had a, he was renting out this home, and a water pipe burst. And so all over their house, the bottom, bottom part of the, the walls, the sheetrock was destroyed. The floors are all messed up, so they're having to go, they're going to have to go in and repair that, but the, the house just kind of set there for a while. And what happens when a house sets? Yeah, it just kind of dilapidates, right? And that's what he's referring to here. It's kind of like a metaphor. He likens this an older person to, to a house that, that crumbles, a body that's crumbling, right? Look at keepers of the house, verse 3. I think that's referring to your arms and hands. They lose their strength, their stability. Yeah, the nerve cells that control movement, they start breaking down, which we're not as stable, right? We're not as stable. Those who used to be strong, they bend over, verse 3. The grinders, what are the grinders? What do you think the grinders are referring to? Yeah, good. What are you doing? Your grinders. Yeah, grinders. What happens when we get older to our grinders? Yeah, sometimes we, we lose them. What about our vision? What happens to our vision? For the first time, First time in my life this year, I had to buy reading glasses. I'm fighting. So what I did is I bought a Bible with bigger print. <laughs> but I did. I bought glasses, and sometimes I have to wear them. I did. I was preaching the first time I, I was preaching in Munford Baptist. I was sharing about our experience in China, and I just I using a really small Bible that I brought from China, and, and I didn't have 
I couldn't see, so I was using these glasses. But the first time I used them, it was like I was, I was intoxicated. And I'm preaching. I couldn't hardly. I was like, wow, they think something's wrong with me. So I, I got a Bible with bigger print. It just messed me up. I couldn't, I couldn't keep my faith. I thought I'm wobbling, I think. But what happens? Our, our vision goes, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm 43. I got reading glasses. Look at verse 4. Not just vision, but our hearing goes, doesn't it? Yeah, the eardrum can only hear so much. As I hear people talk all the time. Notes, he's like, you need to speak, you need to speak up. Cody, she complains all the time. She can't hear. She, I said, turn me up. Notes, he can't hear. If I got notes, to move up a little bit. Move up, that might help a little bit. So she moved up today. She wanted everybody to know. Well, she's just sitting back in the back for so long. It's like, well, people are going to think, well, what are they going to think? I assured her, y'all wouldn't be upset. It'll be okay. Yeah, she wanted to be able to move up where she could hear a little better. And some of you... I'm not going to call your names. You mentioned the same thing. I'll say the same thing. Yeah, move up a little bit. You can hear better. But what happens is that we can't hear as well. And look at this. The sound of a bird. What's that referring to? When do birds start to chirp? Yeah, real early in the morning. What happens when you get older? Yeah, you get up earlier. That's what I, somebody said something the other day about. Well, you know, I was scared to call. I was scared you weren't going to be up. I said, man, I got a good case of the old. I wake up dark every morning. I wish I didn't. I wish I could sleep in, but I just can't. I just wake up early. But you know, the, the trouble is, we wake up early, but then at night, we can't go to sleep. So we have to take Tylenol PM or something to help us sleep. Isn't that? Yeah, you say, yeah, I do that too. Every night. Some of you, yeah, every night you take something to help you sleep. Yeah, that's what happens when we get older. You know, our body changes. We can't sleep. We take a, something to help us sleep, and then we get up too early, and you can't go back to sleep. But then you, you sit down in the recliner and you sleep so easily. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Verse 5. Look at verse 5. They're afraid also of what is high and tares are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along. You used, to not be, you used to not be afraid of anything. Remember those days? You're strong, courageous, willing to defend your family, defend your name at the drop of the hat. Mr. Bob Forbes, he passed away last night, and I was thinking about him as I'm writing this sermon because he's a real funny, funny, funny man, great, great man. And he was telling a story years ago. He was in his late 50s, and he said there was a, he was somewhere, and this man was intoxicated. He was drunk, and he was mouthing off. He said, I didn't listen to him long enough. He said, I just got tired of it. He said, I just jumped up, and I started walking towards him. He said, and then... All of a sudden, it occurred to me, this guy's really big, he's intoxicated, and I'm like 58 years old. He said he just stopped, and he came back, and he said he just sit down, he said a cold sweat broke out over, over his, look what I almost did. How foolish that would have been. And that's true, isn't it? You know, used to, you're young and you're strong. You see some of these young guys, these college guys, and they're lifting weights all the time. They don't, they don't have nothing to do, so what do they do? They just go to the gym two or three times a day. Good gracious. Working out, and they're all big and strong. I had, a, I had a college guy tell me that. He said, you know, he's saying, you know, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. They went that way on me. You need to work out and exercise. And, you know, I was like, buddy, I, I used to do all that same stuff, buddy. Wait till you get to be 40 and you won't be going to the gym two or three times a day. Because you don't have time. You have responsibilities, right? Who's got time and the money to go to the gym? Not everybody. But college students do. The almond tree blossoms. Almond trees, their blossoms are white. What do you think this is referring to? Yeah, look at my hair. Some of you, for some of you, the almond tree has blossomed. 
And it looked so good. For me, the almond tree is blossoming. We're getting gray hair. Our hair is getting white. The desire wanes. That desire. Yeah, as we get older, older folks, libido changes and pleasures fade. This is a picture of what happens to our aging bodies. The dilapidated house, it just happens. And we do everything we can to prevent it, but we can't. Look at verse 6 and 7. These are all ways to describe death. The, the silver cord is snapped. The golden bowl is broken. The pitcher is shattered. The wheel broken at the cistern. These are all referring to death. This is what happens to all of us. And sometimes it happens, unfortunately, to young people. Some people, their lives are cut short. But for many, we have longer lives. In verse 8, to die is to return to dust. This is the curse on Adam. Remember, we just read that in Genesis chapter 3. Cursed is ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. So, application. How do we apply this to our lives? To older folks, some encouragement. Your vigor's lacking. Your energy level's waning. I encourage you, don't take life for granted. Enjoy God's graces. Is life more difficult for you? Yeah, your body's breaking down. You can't hear as good. You can't see as well. You can't do the things you like to do. My father-in-law, we, kids, we were visiting him, or last time he visited us, we said, Papa Gaines, get on the floor. We'll play. He's like, he's, he'd come over there and he looked. He said, I sure wish I could. But he couldn't. And it's true. He sure was good. Life, life is difficult sometimes when you're older. But don't be so caught up on the, in our physical bodies breaking down. And we have some limitations. Don't be so caught up in those things that you, you, you don't see God's graces. We have hope as believers. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Again, we wake up. Good morning, Lord. Not good Lord this morning. Keep the right perspective. God still is gracious. And be faithful with what you can do. My grandfather, Carl Hartfield, I would call him from China. And we would talk for 10 minutes. He didn't really talk very long. He'd say, all right. And he'd let you go and never say bye. And he'd just hang up. He always did it, even from China. You'd think from China he wouldn't do that, but he did. And I would, we would talk about, in his later years, we would just talk about what's going on at the church. He loved the church. What's going on at the church, he would ask me about our work in China, and I would tell him all about our work and what was going on. And he couldn't do the things he wanted to do. He got older, his body broke, was breaking down. And so what I would do is I would encourage him, and I'll do the same thing for you. I would tell him, say to Carl, you're retired, you don't have to work, you don't have a lot of responsibilities. You have a lot of undistracted time. Pray. I would tell him, I would, I would tell him all about all the people in our city. Pray for these people. Pray that we have opportunities to share the gospel. Pray for the lost here. I just pray. And sometimes we think, well, you know, older folks, we think, well, you know, prayer, I, I don't know. I don't want to just pray. I want to do something. Prayer is the work. Prayer is just as much the work as sharing the gospel. It's preaching the gospel. Prayer is the work. Don't forget that. So pray. You have time. Even, even when you don't feel good, you can still pray. Pray. Intercede for the lost. Intercede for the brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray. Do what you can do. Paul, he said it rightly in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Outwardly, we are wasting away. And we are. Women, it's later, but at age 27, men, our bodies begin to break down. Cells begin to break down. In a faster number that you're 
replenishing, those cells are reproducing. Age 27, you start to decline. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly, this is, older folks, this is what I want to encourage you with. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. The, the Titus principle. What does the Titus principle say? Paul says in Titus, you know, older folks, we need to be teaching the younger folks. Why, do, why does he say older people teach the younger people? Because you know more. You have more experience. Get involved in young people's lives. I never turn away an older, older person's counsel. I mean, I always agree with it, but I never turn away. I welcome it. Be involved in young people's lives. One day your aches will be no more. That's our hope. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And remember, the Lord remembers you. And I, this isn't a, a funny statement. Even if you get dementia and you can't remember Him, rejoice today in that He'll never forget you. He remembers you. Young people, what about you? I say, remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Give yourself to Jesus. The older you get, the more set in your ways you get the less receptive you are to change. Most people who repent, repent when they're young. So I'll tell you today, repent. Jonathan Edwards, the great pastor, 18th century pastor, he was, God used him during the Great Awakening, the great revival that swept the 13 colonies here in, in our country. He said, this revival is so strange. You know why it was strange? The Great Awakening. He said, it's so strange because older people were repenting. That's why it was so strange. This great awakening is so odd. It's so different because older folks are repenting. So young people, repent. Don't say, well, I'm going to sow my wild oats. I'm going to live life. And then, you know, when I get older, like my daddy, I'll, I'll settle down and live for Jesus. Well, you, some of you are going to be dead for then. Repent. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Because whether you're young or you're old, one day we'll meet Him. Solomon says, Fear God, keep His commandments, because judgment's coming. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.